Welcome back to today's podcast, Chatting with Channing. And I am joined by Amanda Davidson, and you will find out more about her connections with Transylvania and also the Transylvania Scholars Programme. Welcome to Chatting with Channing. This is the podcast for Channing School that lets you, the listener, find out more by hearing from people throughout the whole school community. Each episode, you'll hear real stories from staff, from pupils, from parents and the school's alumni to give you a true reflection of life on Highgate Hill. So come with us as we get into this episode right now. Well, I'm joined today by Amanda Davidson. Welcome. How are you doing? I'm doing uh, just uh, fine. Thank you very much indeed, Arabella. Thank you for asking me to do this podcast. Well, yeah, I'm very excited. I mean, I think obviously it's always interesting talking to alumni of Channing School and finding out the amazing things that people get up to and go off to do afterwards. But it might just be good to sort of go back a little bit and just think about actually when were you at Channing? Um, And I don't know if you can remember some of the, it must be interesting being back in the school today as well. Well, I was uh, at Channing between 1966 and 1973. So I was only in the senior school, which I enjoyed enormously. Um, And it always is slightly strange coming back uh, and seeing uh, Channing because you see things that have changed, but also you see a lot of things that just haven't and you remember them from the days when you were at school. What are some of the things that you can remember or do you have a favourite memory of your time when you were at Channing? Well, I had a really lovely time at Channing and I enjoyed it um, a lot. And I also made very firm friends that I'm still in touch with. And that's been really important. It's quite strange with the friendships that you make at Channing once you leave Channing. Some you stay in touch with all the time and some you, you're just getting on very busily with your life and your career. And uh, then you come back uh, perhaps later in life and then find out what those um, lovely friends of yours have been doing. So there's sort of two forms of friendships, one that's forever in a sense and the other that sort of dips in and out of friendships but they remain firm uh, friendships nonetheless. I mean it sounds lovely and just I think the the place that Channing is it really fosters that deep love and that sort of sense as well of of allegiance. Why was it you ended up at Channing? Did you live locally or was it a choice of your parents or of yourself? My mother was determined that I was going to go to Channing. And this um, really goes back to the the scholarship and and the roots of my family with um, Channing because I was the third generation of my family to go to Channing. Oh, my goodness. Um, And my grandmother was the very first person to come to Channing. She was here between 1920 and about 1922-23. And um, she came from Transylvania. We'll talk more about that later. Yes, I was about to say, sort of already (laughs) planting seeds in our mind. Um, And my mother came over and um, she was here in 1948. Um, And so she really wanted me to come to Channing as well. So um, I I did for the senior school. So there was never any question in her mind that I was going to end up here. Wow. Do you know, I love, okay, I think we're going to have to to jump into Transylvania because that just that sense of You've got a family who came from somewhere a long, long away from North London, who then, and Channing has been at the root of your family and particularly girls' education as well. So, well, maybe I'll just hold on to you. What did you then go on to study after school? So you obviously, Channing was at the kind of the heart of your family, like you've got to go to school. This is an amazing school. What did that lead you on to do? 
I think it's important to explain that when I was at Channing, um, when you came to A-level decisions, you had to decide between the arts and the sciences and you couldn't mix the two. I think it's absolutely wonderful that you can mix the two these days and choose the subjects you really wanted to do. And I really wanted to do maths and physics and French. And I was told very, very... um, in very no uncertain terms, that those are not university subjects, Amanda. You've got to choose either the arts or the sciences. This is how it was in yeah. in, in the early seventies. No. Hard pushing you down one direction, isn't it? Like yeah, saying, it you is. Can either be this or that. I know, and it's so nice that that's not the case mm-hmm. anymore, and uh, I'm, I celebrate that. Um, so I chose the sciences. I chose uh, maths, uh, physics, and chemistry, and I went on to university to study um, maths and a uh, maths major with uh, with some physics as well. And I came out of university and I was utterly clueless as to what I was going to do. (laughs) I had no idea. Um, And in fairness, the career advice wasn't that exceptional um, at the time, but uh, your your options seem to be quite limited. And I fell into financial services completely by accident. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the days when the news agents had little sort of adverts in there, in the sort of little postcard adverts. Oh, that was it. I was literally, and you're like, okay, I can do this. Yeah, well, I, I, I remember, this is going to sound strange that I do, but I remember they were advertising um, that for £25 a week, you only needed to do two to three hours a day. Well, you know that, yeah, and you I come mean, out and you're a student. <laughs> I, I think my my sort of um, monthly allowance was £25, so £25 a week was just yeah. riches. Y- yes. um, and I fell into financial services, and that's what I, I stayed doing, and I really loved it, and I was absolutely uh, interested in it from start to finish. So I was advising uh, clients on the structure of their finances and arranging investments to to go with that. Lovely job. Um, And I I really had wonderful clients, which made it completely joyful. Um, And parallel to that, I had uh, a career in regulation as well. So um, I was involved with... um, the boards of the um, regulators at that particular stage, uh, starting with the PIA, then the FSA and the FCA, the Financial Conduct Authority now, so I was one of the non-execs. Uh... And how did you get into regulation? Because I sort of feel like you could have, I love the way you just sort of flip from like, oh yes, I answered a card in the newsagents, started this job and then and the next thing, and, and and there are so many and I, I get it, I love you know, advising clients, obviously you love working with people and um, supporting them, but how did you then end up in regulation as well? Because I feel that's Uh, a very specific skill. It is. The first 10 years of my career was completely unregulated. So I got to see a lot of um, dubious practices, shall we say. Um, And when regulation came in, we were all completely terrified that we were going to be closed down overnight because we just weren't used to it. But I got fascinated uh, with it and how it all worked. And I was really interested in becoming involved. And um, so I made sure it's often very much the, the case of who you know and um, how you can build on those contacts, or it certainly was at that stage. So I was making sure that I was going to all the sort of road shows of the regulator, meeting the right kind of people and all the rest of it. And um, FIMBRA was our regulator at that stage and um, was run by a guy who was an ex-bank manager. So, you know, I got to know him. And um, I think uh, a lot of young women will associate with this story I'm about to tell, because um, I thought there's got to come a time when I got to say 
you know, I've got to say my piece and I've got to say I really want to be involved mm-hmm. with, with regulation. How am I going to go about that? Um, and so I did. I, I said to him, look, I, I'd really like to be involved with regulation. I've been involved in um, advising clients for 16 years now. I've got this that experience, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And do you know what he said to me? Well, he, said, he said to me, he said, you don't look old enough to have been <laughs> advising for 16 years. <laughs> And and like, I, uh, right. Well, thanks. Thank you. Exactly. God. Yes. Exactly. And what about I, my professional expertise? <laughs> I and my heart sank, and I yeah. thought, Amanda, there is. You're going to get nowhere with this guy if that's what he's mm-hmm. he's thinking. And it, actually, the whole thing was was ruled by fifty year old, you know, white males. <laughs> that that's how it was at that particular stage. So, and I knew he meant it as a compliment. That was the weird thing, but it was not going to help me get where I want to go. So I thought I've got to try a different tack. Um, so I, I happened to be on, um, it was a conference actually that was on, on, on a boat that was run every year. And um, I met someone from um, from the uh, regulator of the um, life companies. And the, the two were about to merge into, we didn't know what the regulation was going to be. It was the Personal Investment Authority, PIA. Um, and I met this lovely man and I thought, what am I going to talk to him about for half an hour? And um, he, I said, well, let's talk about the new regulator. How is that going to work? And he said these magic words to me. He said, I was seconded to the new regulator two weeks ago. And my brain went click, click, click. You have 25 minutes to impress this guy and to, you know, say your piece, which is exactly what I did. And everything led from there. And it was that connection. And I, I thanked him profusely there afterwards. He said, no, it was you, Amanda. I said, no, actually, really, Sean, it was you. Thank you very much indeed. So it's a question of making the most of the opportunities yeah, and, and, yeah. and the luck of meeting someone. And when you meet someone, you have that short period of time in, in which, and, and I, I never looked back from, from that point onwards and just went, went forward. My goodness. And so there, there, there you are. And I just was suddenly just while you were talking as well about how like regulation had always sort of tick boxes for you. Um, if for a sort of young person at Channing listening, um, what would you say to them? What type of things, if they're interested in maybe that they actually should look into um, something like regulation or financial services just very quickly? I think uh, don't be limited in, in mm-hmm. what your scope of what you, you, you look for. Um, be open-minded. Um, and um, I would say keep going because um, if you don't at the first come across something that is right for you uh, or you don't meet the people that are actually going to be helpful to you, it, it doesn't mean that around the corner there isn't someone who will help you. There's also sometimes you just need to step back and look at things differently um, because you can get too close to something and then you start to lose the clarity of, of what you're doing. So if you if you are just not making headway in, in one particular way, just step back, take a deep breath and then start again. I love that. And that's it. It's all about, isn't it? Taking opportunity and meeting people and being interested in people and hearing what they have to say. So you dangled the carrot in front of us and you mentioned the word Transylvania, which for I think many people listening is often has this kind of magical, mythical element. Um, But obviously it is an actual place in Romania. Um, So it would be lovely to hear, Amanda, obviously, I'd love you to talk about the Transylvanian Scholar Programme. 
But also just, yeah, where are these connections from your family? So that is obviously a many composite question. So I'm not sure where you'd like to kick off first. I think I should start off at the beginning, um, yeah, which is the, the the family connection, mm-hmm. because there was a scholarship set up um, in 1892, which was just shortly after Channing was, was formed in 1885. Um, and it was a scholarship, it was called the Hungarian Scholarship. And it was founded by my great, great grandfather, the Bishop uh, and he was the longest serving um, bishop of the Unitarian um, Church. And um, Channing, as we know, is, uh, has his, its roots in, in Unitarianism. It's a Unitarian mm-hmm. school uh, with the Sharp sisters. So it was my great-great-grandfather who um, got together with the Sharp sisters um, to form the original scholarship. And the idea was to bring over from Transylvania, which at that time mm-hmm. was uh, part of Hungary and indeed had been part of Hungary for almost a thousand years, um, but it got ceded in 1920 in the Treaty of Trianon to Romania, which is why Transylvania is now in Romania. And um, the idea was to uh, bring girls over that had some connection with the Unitarian Church. So, for instance, their father might be a minister. And quite a number of girls came over. And my grandmother was the first of our family to come over. But again, it's one of those accidents of history because actually she wasn't the one that was chosen. Oh, right. But, yeah, oh. she was one of five girls. Um, uh, one sadly died in, in uh, when she was very young. Um, but five girls survived. And it was her, her just older sister, Margit, who um, was um, chosen to, to come over to Channing for the scholarship. And uh, Margit, my lovely um, great aunt, she was very willful, very strong-willed, and she stamped her foot down and said, I am not going to England. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. Oh, really? So she's like, no, no. Yeah. And even at that age, I mean, mean, she'd have been about 15 or so. Mm -hmm. I mean, she was, it was known that that was, nothing was going to shift her. So my um, grandmother, who was far more amenable, was the one that was chosen to come to, to Channing. And she came over in 1920 and stayed till 22, 23. Um, usually the scholarship was for one year. Um, don't forget Channing was a boarding school at that yes, stage. Yes, I was just about to say, it's probably quite good for people to know that as well, for thinking, where are these girls staying? Where, where were they going to be exactly? There was a place to board. Yeah, that's right. And it's very much a family feel. The older girls looked after the younger girls. And um, so, yes, uh, she she um, came over and she was, it was originally going to be for one year, but things were so difficult in Transylvania during 1920 that she stayed for a couple of years and she had a very, very happy time here. So she was the first to, to, to come over. Um, and perhaps I should explain how my mother came over as well. That's another story. Um, so, yeah, I mean, my, my grandmother, when she went back um, from Channing, she didn't go to Transylvania. She went to Budapest because the family had moved there. Right, um, okay. Her father was uh, the Home Secretary and he, he wouldn't uh, take the oath of allegiance to the Romanians when he was in the government. So they, they um, decamped and moved to, um, to back to Oh, they moved to Budapest from Transylvania. Um, and it was a really hard time um, because my great-grandfather, my grandmother's father, um, died two years after they um, moved to Budapest. And I'm not entirely sure whether when she went back he was already dead or if not he would have died shortly after she returned back uh, to, to Budapest. So there we are. She made her life there um, and um, got married, um, had my mother and my aunt, 
and um, then the Second World War happened, and um, things were very difficult in Hungary. Um, yeah, particularly Budapest as well, weren't they? So during that time, I've I've got a lovely um, inflation story. I should tell you that, and it would give you an idea of just how bad things were mm-hmm. in in Hungary after the um, the Second World War. Um, I mean, rates your your house rates, uh, your council tax effectively was paid in beans. It wasn't currency was worth nothing, and uh, my grandmother. Um, she um, gave English lessons and uh, she charged the the cost of two tram tickets. And um, she always took the um, tram tickets money before the lesson was was completed the, the, at the beginning of the lesson. Sent my mother to get out provisions because she knew that at the end of the lesson, the money would buy less. Gosh, yeah, and it's, it's extraordinary that when we look at yeah, listen to story. And actually, tell me, we haven't we haven't got the name of your grandmother. Oh, my my grandmother, Mogda Mogda Shami. Mogda Shami. Okay, yeah. great, because it's just nice to sort of have a chance to sort of picture and that sense. And there, there she is. And so, obviously, your mother then growing up um, after the Second World War. So, what happened next? My grandmother made the decision that she was going to come to England in in 1948. Um, And there were two reasons for that. One was that things were very bad in in Hungary at that time. But also um, her marriage uh, to my grandfather was failing. He he had a long-standing mistress uh, of about 10 years. He he married in the end, um, became his second wife. Um, And so um, she decided, having had a wonderful time in England and kept all her contacts here, that she would bring her two daughters out. So my mother was 17 at the time and my um, aunt, she was only eight. So there's a bit of a gap between them. Um, And the scholarship here at Channing um, stepped in once again. And um, my uh, mother was here for a year and my aunt was uh, here for um, the senior school. She was and had a good time here. So um, once again, thank you for the scholarship that um, benefited um, my grandmother, my mother and my aunt. Gosh, a wonderful, extraordinary, and it just a sort of fate of circumstance that there she ended up in London at that time and was able to go to Channing as well. Yeah, I know it was. Um, when I came to to go to to Channing, the um, scholarship really was a, just a memory because it had finished um, mm-hmm. sort of long before I I came on board. Um, so my my father was paying all the full fees, which seem <laughs> quite quite mild now, but were, were quite a lot at that particular stage. So, yes. Um, I came here. So you can see why my mother wanted to send me here. Her yeah. name, by the way, was Jenji uh, Ongi, and my aunt's name is Oniko Ongi. Wow. So so there they were, and obviously they sort of came, and the Transylvania, so scholar program obviously finished. Do you know how many girls it helped over the time that it was um, going? Yes, it's about 22, the original mm. scholarship, yes. Wow. And, I mean, obviously it'd be interesting because obviously, and you alluded to as well, so Transylvania, which was, and then Hungarian speaking that they were um, now, and it's a kind of, Transylvania's an incredible place and people sort of speak Saxon German and Romanian and Hungarian. It's <laughs> extraordinary. So can you explain what the Transylvanian Scholars Programme, what is it like in its current form? Um, and, you know, what actually why you wanted to and decided to restart the program? I've been thinking about restarting the program and how it might uh, work for a number of years. Uh, My mother and I went to Transylvania, me for the first time in 2001, and it was a very different place um, 
to what it is now. And um, I was really quite shocked at the level of poverty that I saw there. Um, that was Hungarians and Romanians. Everyone was um, just really having a very tough time. And I mean, there were no flower shops and bread shops were bread shops. You didn't get cakes in, in bread shops. Now, now it's completely different. And um, I remember my my um, godmother, my Hungarian godmother, saying that she would um, like us to look up a couple of elderly friends of hers who lived in Kolosvá, which is where we were, um, because she hadn't heard from them for about six months and she was very worried. Um, and so we went to see them and um, the um, husband had died in the meanwhile and um, the um, the wife was left uh, on her own. And... Um, she had not been paid any pension since he died. And so she was reduced to selling her books to pay the gas bill. And um, the reason she hadn't written to my godmother was that she couldn't afford the stamp on the envelope. And you don't expect, I didn't expect that to see that in Europe. I'd been to third world countries, but I hadn't expected to see that in Europe. So there were some seeds that were sold at the, so, sown at that stage. Um, and, uh, you know, I was always been very conscious of the family connections to that part of the world and also, of course, to Channing. And But it wasn't until my mother died that I started to really think about it. Um, and that's when I thought, well, could we in some way um, revive the scholarship? Um, and I came to see the, the then head um, of, of Channing and we talked about it. And we thought, well, there's just no way you can take a girl out for a whole year. That's far mm -hmm. too long because she would miss too much of, of where, where she's studying at the moment. Um, and also Channing is no longer a boarding school. Um, but we wanted to make it meaningful. And so we thought about you know, half a term, the six, seven weeks um, of the autumn term as being the, the best time and the best, uh, best way to do it. And then I had to um, find the schools in Transylvania who might be interested in, right, in okay, sending yes, the yes. Okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and there are two out there, uh, one in Kolosvá, which is uh, where my grandmother was born, and one actually in, in the sort of more in the country. And um, I got, I didn't get a, an answer from the school in the country, but I did get a, an answer from the school in Kolosvá. Now the girls say, well, this is really weird. How come they didn't actually uh, respond to you? And I said, look, come on, let, let's look at this. You have this strange woman saying, please send us one of your yeah, girls. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just, yes, you know, <laughs> they might think it's a bit odd. <laughs> Um, so uh, in any event, I, I used my connections through the church to, to get in touch with the school and, and they sent, uh, our, the first scholar came out in 2012. So the scholarship's been running since then, apart from, of course, we missed the COVID year yes. um, in 2020. Um, but nonetheless, uh, it's been continuous since then. Um, and so the girls come out um, for... Um, six, seven weeks and ha and have a wonderful time. The school in, in Koloshvar takes it very, very seriously. They run a, a competition uh, that the girls uh, have to enter. They have to do a written submission. They're, they also have to have an oral submission. Uh, their English, has, of course, has to be good. Um, and their, their academic results also have to be good. And they make the choice of the girl from that. And then they, they let me know at the beginning of the year it happens. And then we know that we've got a girl coming uh -huh. in September. And what age are the girls? 
girls when they come over? They they have to be over sixteen. We, we right. the, the best place for them is is the lowest. What I would term the lowest six. Yeah. Um. So the penultimate year. Yeah. That's well for those listeners. <laughs> thank thank you. So I get <laughs> still get confused about no, it. Sorry, it's pathetic, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So there we are. Um. But yes, it is. Um. I mean, the last year is very intense for any girls mm-hmm. studying here. That's not good. Um. But the uh, the lowest six, you're, you're twelve, uh, is is a great year because you've got all that freedom. You only have three subjects. I mean, the baccalaureate they're doing something like 16 different yeah, subjects it's yeah. packed schedule um and they have free time and and stuff like that so it's 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 it works extremely well um and all the girls have just been you know they've just had a fantastic time so and i'm hugely grateful to Channing. i'm hugely grateful also to the to the school in, in transylvania for sponsoring this too well it's, and, and you know having gone back to those conversations you had with the head and like I want to get this going again I want it to be meaningful thinking about the time and when it's going to happen has it had the impact that you wanted to and what are some of the things that you've noticed as a result of the program restarting it's affected all of the girls in a very positive way. Uh, sometimes there's been um, a, a second scholar, for instance, um, she thought of being a doctor and then she came to Channing and apparently one of the Channing teachers said, have you thought of being a pharmacist? And she really thought about that. And actually, she's uh, become a pharmacist. She did her first degree and she did another degree. Uh, she got married last year as well, which is rather nice. Um, and so it was um, the time in Channing that had sort of sponsored that for her mm-hmm. um but all of the girls uh, find that um there's a common theme running through that they are far more um independent and far mm-hmm. more self-assured uh when they go back they've got confidence that they didn't have beforehand um and um as an example one of the uh, fifth scholar she thought she was going to be a physics teacher and then she thought well actually no this is not working for me so she stopped after the first year took a year out and did some charitable work in in Germany and then uh, went back and she's now um, training to be a physiotherapist I think she's actually completed her training now and again I'm I feel fairly confident she wouldn't have done that if she hadn't been to Channing and realized that actually you know you can do these kind of things and you're going to be okay and and it will work for you so each of them and the friends they make here as well are, are important the families are I, I can never thank the families that host the girls enough because that is such a vital um, part and to open your home to you know a strange uh, young young girl um, who's sometimes coming to London for the very first time in her life um, and to make her welcome is just I, I've, I'm always overwhelmed by the generosity of the families that do that uh, they're a huge integral part of, of this um, so yeah they they all have a very particular times that, that they want here but there is that common theme of more self-belief I think is is wow. the fundamental thing which is such a powerful skill, isn't it? And also just um, something really, and we talk about, don't we, the importance of resilience, but understanding and that kind of self-actualization as well. And so you talked about obviously what difference it's made for the, you know, the girls coming over from, you know, Janos Shigishmon school. But what about the girls at Channing? Because of course, they've got somebody who's coming into their midst and that sometimes can be a bit tricky and particularly as they're entering their start of their sixth form career in year 12 what do you think it's actually doing for them 
I really would like to thank the the Channing girls as well, because I know that they have been very attentive to the Transylvanian scholars that come over. Uh, Our first scholar said, um, I was was never alone. Um, If I was on my own, someone would come up to me and just make sure I was okay. That does say so much, doesn't it, about the Channing girls? Yeah, it speaks volumes. It really does. And uh, the girl who came um, uh, earlier this year, Timea, she said, um, I, I had someone come up to me and say, oh, you're the, the Transylvanian um, scholar, aren't you? And, and start talking to me. And um, so they are very, very supportive. Uh, I know a lot of the girls have been at Channing for some time, but there are also one or two who are also coming uh, in the sixth form. So they are, in a sense, new at the same time as my Transylvanian scholar. But the uh, the girls just open their hearts to the scholar and just let her in and make her one of them and uh, look after her and make sure that she is okay Uh, no matter where she is. And if she wants company, she's got company. And if she wants to be on her own, then that's also respected. And how wonderful is that? And that takes such a sort of, again, sense of maturity to actually be able to do that um, as well. Mm. Um, so do you have any plans to expand the programme? What, <laughs> what are you thinking about? Because obviously, Amanda, you are someone that I think is full of ideas. Well, yes. I mean, we have expanded the um, programme already because I think it, I can never remember the dates. Um, it was running about sort of four or five years. And then we started to have school uh, teachers from the um, um, Janusz Sigmund uh, School in Kolosva, the, the Transylvanian school, uh, come over they come over two at a time um, it's a smaller program they're here for about 10 days and they spend four days in Channing so there's an exchange at the teacher level oh um, right okay so I haven't yeah. realized that there was teachers as well as young people oh, right okay yes yeah, so you, everyone's getting a chance okay great uh, well, yes, indeed. I, I, I talked to the deputy head of the um, Koloshvar School, the Transylvanian School, um, and uh, asked him, you know, what about sending your teachers over? Because it's, uh, of course, it's a wonderful for experience for the scholar. But um, if you are um, helping a, a teacher, then you're influencing the current generation and future generations of pupils as well. And it's also um good that um, the teachers can come here and talk to fellow teachers. There's a lot of common ground, no matter where you're teaching. Um, uh, So the similarities and differences and just have that kind of exchange, um, which which is is lovely. And sometimes the teachers are here at the same time as the scholar and sometimes uh, they're they're not. Um, As to anything for the future, um, yes, I, I have thought about this, but I think... I think there comes a time when you have to recognise that the future of the scholarship and any other programmes uh, around it um, rely on on other people to take things forward, not necessarily yourself. And I think you have to also understand uh, when is a time to to let go. I mean, you know, I don't mean to be morbid, but I'm not going to be around forever. <laughs> and I do want uh, the scholarship. I, I would... I would be delighted if the scholarship just keeps going, keeps going. And um, I'm, I'm reminded, I'm going to try and remember the, the last lines of this, the wonderful poem by Cecil Day um, Lewis um, called Walking Away, where he's talking about it, it's his son and it's a football match um, and the sort of partings that you have. And the last two lines are you know, t- that selfhood begins with a walking away and love is proved in the letting go. And it's that letting go 
that is important. So I have to know when others should take things forward and that their ideas come forward and it's not all about me because it isn't that it's much bigger than that and the future has to be when others are are taking it forward and I have to let it go well I think on that note I mean that's what we want to hear isn't it Amanda something that's sustainable that's something that is part of Channing life and something that therefore is fostered by the girls at Channing but also the actual community as well and sort of actually says thank you to you for all that you've done but also the passion you've had for this to happen well just before I say goodbye and say thank you so much because it's just been really exciting just to hear about it but also to hear you know why it's important for you as well um you know as you just go back and think about your days at Channing and going back I mean you know is there one thing that you hold on to from your days at Channing like was it a tradition or a teacher that you have what is it that you kind of for you that makes Channing was sort of that an incredible place for you when you were at school? Undoubtedly the people and those would be the pupils and of course the teachers as well. Um, I didn't have a favourite teacher. I, I love them all actually. They were all great. Um, and I I really loved all my subjects um, with the possible exception of geography because all we did was draw maps and it was pretty boring. I'm sure you do <laughs> so much say, more interesting. Don't, don't say that to a geography teacher today uh, <laughs> no. to the because they'll be like, it's not about colouring in, but yeah, totally. <laughs> I know, I know. I know that in the te- 60s it wasn't always taught as well as it could have no, been. No, well, as soon as I gave it up, they did interesting things like volcanoes and clouds, which I enjoy but there you are that's how it is but uh, you know I, I I I just it was a very welcoming atmosphere then and the bonds between people were respectful and uh, and were just durable and uh, I I learned a lot in so many different ways and I wouldn't have uh, gone to school anywhere else if I had the choice of the whole country I would have come here to Channing. Well, we are very grateful that you went to Channing and the fact that you had the benefit of obviously going to a place which has such a close connection to your family and for them what you've done since, Amanda. So it's been great to talk to you today and thank you for sharing, you know, your passion, but also just what you wanted to happen and how it's actually taken place. Well, thank you very much indeed, Arabella, uh, for your time and thank you for anyone who's listening to the podcast. I, I hope you found it interesting. So that brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you for listening and we'll see you in the next one.